Welcome. You're listening to the Equine Photographers Podcast, the place to learn from top equine professionals around the world as they share their experience and knowledge on what it takes to be an accomplished equine photographer. Now your hosts, Peter DeMott and Gigi Embricks. Hi, this is Peter DeMott, and I'm with Judy Bosco. Today, Gigi is very busy with some other jobs of her own and will not be joining us. So it's just me and Judy. Hi, Judy. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Cold out here in Connecticut, but uh, very good. Well, uh, here in Dayton, Ohio, it's about five degrees with a wind chill factor of 20 below in the morning. So, oh, yeah, you got a little you have it a little worse than we do so far. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Judy, every time we do this, we ask two questions to start out, sure. and that is uh, how did you get in with horses and how did you get in with photography? Okay, well, the horse thing goes way back from when I was a kid. I as long as I can remember, I was horse crazy. And uh, fortunately, where I live, uh, there was a riding stable up the top of the hill for me. And when I think I was about nine years old, my parents figured, well, if we give her horseback riding lessons, it'll keep her out of trouble. My mother told me this after I was married. And I said, geez, I didn't think I was that much of a pain when I was a kid. But I am very grateful that they did give me riding lessons and uh, through the summer. And it was a wonderful experience. And um, how many and summers I, did that go? Uh, I just did it for one summer. And, just one summer. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was never showing or anything like that. It was just uh, they knew I was horse crazy, and I hung around the barn. And every once in a while, they let me go on a school horse while they were waiting for the next kid to show up. And you know, I'd help clean and you know, did uh, did all the normal horse crazy girl type things in order to sit on a horse or pet a horse or just just being around them. You know, when I was a um, uh, a teen, young teen, my actually best friend, who is still my best friend, moved into that stable, and uh, we've been friends ever since. And she had uh, horses, and I got to ride quite a bit, and leased a horse one summer. That's as close as I got to having my own. My father actually um, took me out to look at a pony once, and my mother talked him out of it. She was afraid she'd be out there taking care of it. And uh, so that never came to fruition. But um, so is your home uh, was your home on a farm? No, no. But it uh, was in a fairly rural area. You know, my brothers, we, we were there growing up. There was a uh, dairy farm right around the corner from us and they both worked on it. So now it's all houses uh, pretty much. But um, it was crazy ever since about horses from a kid. And uh, when I uh, got out of high school, a um, camera store moved into the uh, local plaza, and uh, it seemed to be a, uh, both of the guys that were running it were, you know, really into young ladies. So, uh, you know, <laughs> watching them walk by and coming in and stopping and saying hi. And uh, so uh, my friend told me about this guy who was running it and wound up uh, hanging out there a lot and he happened to come home one to come back to work one day and showed show back into the store and showed me a picture that he had taken of a horse that uh uh had to be put down so they called him to come and take a picture of it and he hadn't a, he hadn't a clue about horses and um 
it came out really good. I was very surprised. And I said, how did you know how to do this? And he said, well, I have an encyclopedia of photography. And there was an article, you know, a section there on how to photograph horses. So he read it and went out and did it. You know, if it were me, I'd, I'd have done a little. Now, when I look at it, I would have said, well, I would have had him do this and had him do that. But for what the if what the person wanted, it came out really good. So that was like, oh, my gosh, I was like 19, 18, 18 at the time. And I said, I want to do that, <laughs> you know. So um, so then you started buying stuff. I did. I, you know, got a uh, 35 millimeter. It was just a Yashica. And uh, uh, I read that article in that um, um, encyclopedia of photography many, many times, you know, made sure I had the right equipment. Um, and just started practicing. And of course, you know, my friends up the street and anybody else that I knew that had a horse, you know, I'd be there on the weekends or whenever I had the chance to uh, take pictures. And I shot in black and white because it was easy to process. He That's had what my, we used to do back then. Yep. And uh, <laughs> that guy that owned the camera store eventually became my husband. And he showed me how to, you know, process it. And uh, well, he initially did the first bunches of rolls of film and he's like you know you you need to learn how to do this yourself <laughs> i have a business to run so uh <laughs> so um it, it was a lot of fun you know going out and shooting and you know one frame at a time and focusing and um you know there was a lot that wasn't any good but i start, got really consistent at especially at action it's always been my um what I love to do is to shoot the action photography, you know, jumping and horses running and uh, mostly English stuff. And that's what I cut my teeth on was uh, hunter jumpers and stuff like that. So uh, that's what I focused on mainly uh, when I first started. And there's out. a lot and of that around you, right? Yes, there was. Um, and there still is with the economy the way it is. It's not as there isn't as many, um, but there are still you know, a lot in the area where I live, um, a lot of, lot of horses and, um, there are quite a few shows. So, but, uh, the big one was the, uh, Fairfield hunt club had a big show every, every June and, um, four days, I don't know what it was rated, but I used to go there and, you know, stand there with my little Lushika with the zoom lens and take pictures. And especially at the jumpers, I was always at the hunter jumper ring. And I remember one year, um, I don't know if Reflections there out of Vermont was there that year, but the guy came up and was taking pictures next to me and he goes, so you go into Killington or New York State, Lake Placid? He asked if it, I was uh, going to Lake Placid. Like, I was like, like you I were guess, a pro. Yeah. I said, well, I guess I look like I know what I'm doing, even though I haven't been doing it for very long. And uh -huh. I said, no, I'm just, you know, local here and I like the horses. So and he seemed happy with that answer and <laughs> went back to his uh, booth. Right. So. So he, he was the OP at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, they had multiple OPs because it's such a big show. You couldn't, you, you can't really do it by yourself. Okay, because so, it's over a wide range yeah, of land. Yeah, yeah, it's, well, it's not that big of an area, but there's just so much going on. You, one person couldn't do it all. Um, and I know James Leslie Parker, he's a big uh, photographer um, on the East Coast anyway. I know he goes up and down the East, East Coast. Um, is always there, and he's been there for <laughs> forever. Um, and Reflections is another one that has been there. So, and I was only there for a couple hours, and it just so happened that you know he walked up to me and said that to me, and it kind of gave me a boost. Uh, my 
processing skills were a little bit to be desired. But um, when I finally did get them processed, I could see that I had the timing right, you know, and that was no instant gratification back then. It right, was, right. It's you, what, take the, you, you know, take I noticed when I went digital that mm, the quality of my images improved very, very quickly. Oh, most certainly. Yeah. Most certainly. You know, uh, I was on a tight budget and, you know, I didn't take four and five. You know, you're doing the take one picture, crank it forward, take one picture, crank it forward. You can't you can't sit there with your finger on the, you know, on the shutter and make them go. At that time, anyway, um, I don't know when motor drives came out. I don't remember, but uh, I still never I didn't get one of those until 2004. <laughs> so but um it was nice to see that I at least had timing right and uh, still working on that, you know, that book, the uh, Encyclopedia of Photography, uh, the article in there. And I also subscribed to uh, Appaloosa News. My girlfriend had an Appaloosa and she subscribed to it. And the photos in there were just wonderful. And I'm sure if I would subscribed to Arabian Horse Magazine or any of those other ones, they would have been great, too. I did a lot of studying. Uh, every once in a while, a um, famous horse photographer would write an article about photography, and I would read it and reread it and read it over again and study and take a lot of pictures. And uh, I have rolls of film that I never even printed anything out of, just shooting them and looking at the images, you know. And uh, so that's how I cut my teeth on, you know, doing the action stuff. Where did it go from there that you have a business out of it? Well, um, my mother uh, worked for a local hospital. Um, she was a phlebotomist, and she had a lot of clients in the t- next town over um, that has it's loaded with horses. So I ha- had a couple of my enlargements hanging in her office. She used to talk to the her clients about me, about how I do pictures and this and that. And um, so one day somebody came in and said, oh, well, we're looking for a photographer for this hunter pace. It's, um, called frost on the pumpkin hunter pace. And I had heard of it. I was like, oh my gosh, they want me to shoot that. And so that was actually one of my first, wasn't paying, you did it on speculation. One of my first professional jobs. Um, I had, a had another one, a couple other ones. One was for a, um, uh, Quarter Horse magazine, actually, I'd worked for a woman who had a stallion and she wanted to take out an ad. And um, she went out and bought herself a camera and was taking pictures of this horse and they were coming out horrible. And she, you know, she knew I worked for her. She knew that I did it, but she didn't want to have to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> we know <laughs> that so, story today, don't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it hasn't changed. No. You know, the, the same scenarios back then are still, it's still happening today. So, um Day after Christmas, she calls me up. She goes, I need you to take pictures of Skip so I can put in an ad in the magazine. And I said, well, when is it due? She goes, January 2nd. I said, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, back, this was 1986, 87. I said, there, there wasn't a lab around the corner. I had to drive, you know, a half an hour to a lab to get the pictures processed and then get them right back to her so she could pick out the one that she wanted. And uh, so that was my first, that was my first uh, now, how did you deliver that image back then? Oh, it was a print. You had to send a, like an 8x10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had to buy the 8x10, and it had to be glossy, so it would, you know. Scan well. Scan yeah. well for the publisher. You know, and I kind of could see this coming when she bought the camera and was out there trying to take pictures of this horse. And 
<laughs> just wasn't happening. So it was, I think, January, December 27th or 28th, and we got really lucky. It was really warm out. It had to been in the low 60s that day. And um, he didn't have hardly any um, winter coat, so his coat was nice and shiny. He looked like a copper penny because he was a chestnut. So uh, they came out really good. I was really proud of them. That all that studying and all that, you know, looking and um, that, that came to fruition that day. And I was very proud of myself as to how it came out. And it looked great in the magazine. Let's fast forward to a full running business. Or are you part-time or full-time or what? It's been part-time only because, you know, raising a family, having kids. and But the next pivotal thing that happened to me, I was able to go to a, a photography clinic. And that was back in 1989 with a woman by the name of Dodo Knight. And um, she was uh, did Saddlebreds and Arabs and Morgans and a lot of action stuff and very, very kind of artsy also, and um, which I was not. I, you know, get me a horse running or jumping and I would shoot it. And God forbid you put a person in there because I hadn't a clue as to what I was doing with people. <laughs> And um, so that was a, a, a wonderful experience. It was only one day. It was in Massachusetts, not too far from me. But that was the first time I was able to do something like that and actually have a professional photographer of horses look at my pictures and say, you're doing a good job. You're on the right track. Wow. Because I really didn't have any feedback. You that know, put my some husband, fire under you about Yeah, it did. Mm -hmm. And... Um, from then, I, I said, well, you know, I think I could probably put myself out there a little bit. And uh, so I, any kind of horse thing that went on, I would, you know, jump to go into, bring, always bring my camera. Um, of course, I knew a lot of people that had horses. So, you know, just getting my name out there um, was uh, what I wanted to do mostly. And, you know, there was no Internet back then. So it was, you know, e either in the equine journal. Well, it was something different back then. Um, we were up at uh, Massachusetts used to have a, a horse thing, a horse uh a fair horse fair yeah. thing, and uh, I was up there one day with my. Uh, actually, I had a uh, Bronica, and I used to lug that thing everywhere. I had a hundred and fifty millimeter lens with it. I still had to be careful because it so was, that was a uh, two twenty film. Uh, yes, it was or one twenty one twenty two twenty six forty five size negative, and um, you know the, you couldn't beat the sharpness on the on that thing. So I lugged it everywhere and I was up in, uh, and I had a, a large sun pack flash and battery pack and, um, I lugged it everywhere and went to this, uh, equine thing and was walking around. I, I had to put it down sometimes. So I was walking around one of the buildings and I didn't have it with me. And, uh, the magazine that, uh, equine journal or whatever it was at the time said, Oh, we really like to get this paint stallion in here and get a picture of him. And I said, I just happened to be standing there and I said, I'll take the picture. I'm a photographer. And she goes, Oh, okay. And, uh, she had heard my name, which really surprised me because I didn't think I, people knew of me, but she goes, Oh, I've, I remember seeing a couple of your pictures. And I said, oh, I was like, Oh my God, cloud nine again. <laughs> so I, I ran back and I grabbed my camera and, uh, took a picture of, uh, they brought the stallion into the, one of the side doors and held up, a, uh, one of their newspapers and the horse automatically just looked at it and ears up and click. And it, it was, it was a great picture. They put it in their magazine, you know, in the paper. And I was real proud of that. But, um, after I did that, they gave me like a free ad for like two years. I think they sent, I think they sent me five bucks. You know, it was a little ad, 
it was a little ad, but it was an ad that I wouldn't have that I didn't have to pay for. And uh, they sent me, I think they sent me five bucks for printing the picture and their thing. And of course, a little byline. And I was happy about that. And then from there on, you know, I had people, oh, there's a series of shows going out over here. Why don't you see if they have a photographer? And that's what I did. I never did anything really huge up until, and I only did it once. And that was in the, I think, 1992 or 93. I was asked to do um, uh the uh, New England Miniature Horse Association. They had a two-day show up in Springfield um, at the what they call the Big E. So I shot that uh, on a Saturday and a Sunday. That was a lot of work. It was I could have used three of me there. Again, not I didn't have my own processing, so I you know I was using my Bronica and my um, and my uh, I think at the time I was using a Pentax. You know, and sending my, I had my daughter with me and I had to send her out to the lab with all my film and then get it sorted and for people to buy. It, it was a lot of work and uh, advice for anybody that wants to do something like that. You got to have your ducks in a row <laughs> to be able to do that. Uh, a lot of good business. You know, I did okay. You know, I didn't lose money or anything at it, but um, it was a lot more work than what I had anticipated. Well, that was back in the film days. Now you yes. you have transitioned to digital, obviously. Oh, most right? certainly, yeah. yeah. And even even today, uh, if you're going to do something like that, you, you still have, have to be organized. Yeah, exactly. You have to have you know a viewing station where people can look at their stuff, a way to order. Um, okay, well let, let's let's stop and talk about that a little bit because uh, we just published. Uh, Richard Horst, and he's going to do something in Colorado with a big uh, horse fair of some sort. Uh, I forget what it was, but how, how did you set up a viewing station? Did you have somebody else manning it? And well, my, my daughter came with me, and um, I shot off uh, two-thirds of the day, and then she ran out and got those processed and put them out in, in – um, in a book so people could come by and look at them. And that was, you know, pre-digital days. You had to be able to put the, put the pictures out. And I know back in the, back in the day, uh, folks would get uh, just um, proof sheets and a loop and you had to look at your pictures that way. And I thought that was, you know, kind of crazy. So I didn't do it that way. But, uh, and I, because I was shooting with uh, 220 film, 120 and 220 film, I didn't think that they'd be able to do proof sheets like that. You know, you just didn't, I didn't know, you know, um, who'd be able to process the stuff for me. I mean, I called ahead of time um, to find out if there was a lab in the area that would be able to do it. And there was, but uh, it didn't even dawn on me to ask if they could do proof sheets. So, so how, how do you do it today, though? I mean, today, you... today, it's all done online. Um, okay, I, so uh, you're not doing it on site. No, I don't print on site. You know, I, I... Well, I don't know about printing, but as far as... You know, just viewing or or making selection. I don't do shows that are large enough that would require that um, because I'm still doing this part time. Um, for me to be able to do that, I I wouldn't be able to do it. So I it's mostly small time stuff, and um, I do mostly um, you know portraits and stuff like that now because the show. There aren't that many shows around anymore, and there are a plethora of people who are, quote, professionals 
photographers and uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to do it at there you're losing money and then i get complaints from people who say oh there was no photographer at my show well hello yeah well <laughs> because you... they weren't making any money at it right you know you do a lot of driving around and you have all this equipment that you have to pay for and if nobody buys anything you look and if you don't buy anything you know they're going to fade away and do something that's going to make them more money, money. Right. You know, money for their business. You know, it doesn't make any business sense. So I see so, on your portfolio that you've done some, you still do some hunter jumper shows. Yes. Those are still my favorite. I do um, a lot of hunter paces. I do a, um, a low level three phase event in August um, at um, a place called Lord Creek Farm. I've been doing that. This will be my 11th year doing that this year. But now you, in that situation, you're still competing with multiple photographers? No, as a oh. matter of fact. Okay. Um, when I shot the Hunter Pace this last uh, September was the first time I've had another photographer there taking pictures. So, okay, let's talk about the, the mechanics of what you do because it was hard to find your phone number. It's not on your Facebook and it's not on your website. And I, you know, the reason why I didn't put it on Facebook was because I didn't uh, at the time, and this just changed, I didn't have texting on my phone and I didn't want to be getting texts from people mm. and not be, not know it. Oh, I see. And so I, I, I do need to add it onto Facebook. I totally forgot about that. And, you know, you reminded me to do that. Was a bad <laughs> well, uh, so <laughs> let's say you, you went to this Hunter Pace event. How do the people know that you're there and what do they do to buy a picture from you? Well, the um, organiza- organization that runs this, um, I uh, print out cards um, and mail them to them. And they put them in the writer packets along with a business card. And I do have a booth set up there. And I've been doing it for so long. Everybody knows me. Um, so uh, that's pretty, it's pretty basic that I'm going to be there and I'll be taking pictures. Um, every once in a while, you get some new folks. And um, hopefully, they do go through their writer packet. The uh, gentleman who does the announcing, this is a six, uh, excuse me, over 400 acre estate. So when you first pull in, that's where all of the hubbub is and the announcer and such. But once you get past that um, and go out to the cross country course, you're not, you can't hear any of that. So um, he announces as people are coming in that I'm there and um, that my table is set up. It's set up right across from the announcer's booth and I put candy out so people will come. And uh, <laughs> so you have uh, samples of your work there. Yes. Yes. Do you have any like canvases or albums or anything like that? Uh, I have. I do have my uh, album. Uh, I do bring a couple of large pictures. It's tough when you when you're in an outdoor venue like that, right? Because the weather. Be able, yeah, yeah, because you never know whether the uh, the weather or it, inevitably it's it, this place is close to the uh, river, so there's a lot of sand. Uh, it, the sand gets in places that you didn't think sand could get into places. So I try not to bring a ton of stuff. Uh, my portfolio has most of it, and then they're eight by tens. And then, and then there's more cards and yes, that's cards. Of and I do a uh, drawing, and uh, photographer Stacy Lynch uh, turned me onto this. I give away an eight by ten. I have oh. a little draw. I have a little drawing. I do that at all the events that I shoot. Okay, so um, then that's how you get a lot of email addresses and yes, yes, addresses uh, and phone numbers. Yep. 
and the woman that owns the uh, property there, she's 91 or 92. I always have her draw the uh, winner. And uh, the people really look forward to that, getting something for free. And it's, it's, it's really cool to see the looks on the people's faces when they, you know, found out they've won something or they know somebody that has won it. Um, so, and I do that for the Hunter Pace. They have a Hunter Pace there and at the other Hunter Paces that I shoot. Those are a lot of fun, too. Um, I like shooting those because you get a lot of people that don't show. They just like to ride. And um, came come across quite a few people who have don't have any pictures of themselves. Oh, um, so, you mean they're coming to watch? Yeah. No, okay. that ride. Uh, they really don't have any good photos of themselves oh. riding, you know, because they're, they don't show. Oh, okay. I see what so, you're saying. Um, and they don't, you know, never had uh, the money or whatever to have a photographer come out and take pictures of them. So when they come by me, a lot of them say, can you take our picture? You know, them and somebody else. And I said, sure, I'll get a group picture, you know. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a beautiful, the place that I shoot there is, it's a really beautiful place. The lighting is great. And, you know, everybody knows me. Most of the people know me. So they'll, you know, uh, say hi. And, you know, it's it's a really good feeling. Well, okay. So can you tell me a little bit about the business side in terms of what people buy and kind of a ballpark of what you might make on that type of a venue? Well, when I first started doing, you know, this photography thing, um, one of the things that I read, and I don't know whether it was in a uh, one of the horse magazines by the photographers, it was, you know, it was about pricing. And um, that was one of the things that he said was, you know, don't undersell your work. And I learned this back right when I first started. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, you know, find out what the regular photographers, the portrait photographers are, are charging for their work. And that's what you need to do. Follow with what they're doing. So I've always done that. Um, and, so, and, and typically a, a rider that is doing a, a jumper situation, you know, you're going to catch them on what, two or one or two jumps I try to get as many as I can and maybe an action shot of them uh, trotting or cantering. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I like and to then, try And then, so, it. what do they end up buying from you? Well, initially, uh, it was mostly 5x7s and 8x10s. Now, it's they all want digital. And they all want high-resolution digital, which I don't tend to do. Now, I, I don't know if I've got to rethink that. Uh, I did have a request for somebody who wanted uh, me to put my photos on Dropbox so they could buy them. And I was like, uh, was hesitant to do that. Sure. Well, and yeah. yeah. So she asked me, you know, what the high resolution would be. And I, I don't know if she was a photographer herself. She didn't say, but she knew a lot of the terminology about, you know, file sizes and stuff. So I gave her a price and I, of course I didn't hear back from her, but um you know, that's the way it's been going is people want to be able to, you know, have their own file and do what they want with it. And in a way, I'm OK with that. So are you are you print, are you uh, delivering these by email or are you? Um, it depends. What if are it's you doing? Just, yeah. If it's just one print, um, I have SmugMug as my fulfillment and they can order a, a file, you know, right from there. Um I did have a uh, woman who I had photographed her daughter from the time she was quite young at this venue, um, this uh, 400 and some odd acre estate. 
uh, from back in the early, I don't know, it was probably 2004, no, 2005, 2006 was the first time I started photographing her. And she's going away to college. And man, did that make me feel old. And she wanted a, um, she wanted to put a book together for her daughter to take with her to college. Smug Mug wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do. So I put up a gallery of just all of her daughter and told her, I said, you know, you can buy them one at a time from Smug Mug, or I can put them on a thumb drive and you could take them all. And that's what she decided to do. So I just dropped a, you know, a thumb drive in the mail to her. She mailed me a check. She could have done it on PayPal, but she didn't want to. She wanted to mail me a check the old fashioned way. You know, I will do that. You know, if there's a lot of photos and they don't want to do them online, I'll, you know, drop them on, you know, include the price of the thumb drive and the, and the, um, in the price of all the down of all the files and mail it off to them. So I okay. So I, I don't know if I'm being a little too pushy on this, but what would you say the average purchases for those that are buying from you? Uh, generally it's, is it 20, 50, 75? Yeah, it's around the what? 20, 20, $40 range. Okay. Uh, mostly because they, a lot of them want the digital downloads and, you know, I shoot all these in the fall. So I, I think a lot of people use them on like Christmas cards and stuff like that. Of course they never send me them, so I don't know, but, um, I, I do a lot of the business around that time of year, uh, where they're preparing for Christmas and so on and so forth. So a lot of them is downloads, but then every once in a while I get, you know, order large orders and you know that's wonderful too um for christmas and stuff like that so it runs a gamut from i don't sell four by fives that's a waste as far as concerned that's why i sell the digital downloads so if you're going to buy a five by seven from me or you want to do a digital download they're uh, 20 plus whatever the uh shipping charges and tax or whatever so uh and then it goes up from there but um you know that I've been charging pretty much that price for quite a while. I haven't raised it much, um, and I don't think the economy would, where I'm living anyway, would. Well, I think that's pretty consistent across the USA, actually. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's good. That's good to know because you know what? I never. I don't. I it's probably no. I mean, as far as the economy being a little yeah. soft. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. Um, I did see in your portfolio that you have uh, some confirmation images. And just out of curiosity, maybe just as a discussion point, what have you found with the people that do confirmation pictures from a professional as far as this, their ability to sell or promote that horse compared to the people that are trying to promote or sell a horse or promote a stallion and they're using their cell phone and putting it on Facebook, what would you say is the difference in what happens? Well, you know, it's all in the matter of perspective. I mean, if you have a, um, a really expensive stallion that you're going to promote, um, and you're using a cell phone to take the picture with, which people uh, you know, do, Right? And it's mind-boggling. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then it's it brings me back to this person, one of the first you know people that hired me to take a picture of their stallion. She had 
enough money to hire me outright to go out and take the picture of this horse. But instead, she spent a couple hundred dollars on a, it was a film camera, but it had all the bells and whistles and she could not, still couldn't get a good picture of that horse. And that was back in 80, you know, 86, 87. That was a lot of money. And eventually she wound up hiring me. So I think, you know, the people so that do, you, do that. do you tell, I mean, are the people that hire you for that, do they ever tell you how much better they do because of your work? Yeah, that's, you Can know. Can you tell me about what they tell you? They haven't really, you know, gotten back to me. You know, it's like, you know, I'll go out and do this and, you know, take pictures and, you know, it's... They might just put them up in a magazine and I'll never see it again, you know. Right. Um, I but do they know what they're doing. Yes, yeah. As opposed to the people that take this snapshot with their cell phone and say, Yeah, yeah. I want exactly. to sell this horse. Why are there no buyers? Buyers, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's the buyer's fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I look through magazines, especially the backs of the um, professional magazines, and you see, you know, the smaller ads where – it's just like, are you kidding me? How did you take a picture of this horse? And how do you expect to even uh, get anybody to want to come look at him? Never mind, read to him if you can't get a decent picture. But, you know, some people just have it in their minds that this is how they want to do things. And, you know, I, and it's kind of up to us, the professionals, to, to educate them that, you know, you're not going to get anywhere if you keep doing that, you know. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because I've tried to educate some people, but it's always come across not quite the way I wanted. <laughs> and sometimes you know, they're thinking, you know, it's it's like, uh, why are you, you know, treating me so badly because you're telling me this, you know? It's yeah, like, it's like, yeah. you know, you've got this horse. It looks like it could be a beautiful horse, but its head is huge. Yep. And its, you know, hind end is very small. Small. Because yep. you were five feet away shooting with a cell phone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you wonder why there's no buyers. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, that, that brings yeah. me to one of the things that I see, you know, even in these online um, photography groups where uh, some of these folks, they've been doing this a long time and they've got a picture up and they're using a 50, 60, 70, 80, mil, 80 millimeter on their camera and the horse doesn't look right. And God forbid you say something, you know, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, it's you like, know, at, at first I was like trying to be helpful and then they get all offended. Well, the customer liked it. And I'm like, well, the customer doesn't know what they're doing. It's the problem. So you need to educate, you know, there's a lot of uneducated photographers out there. Sorry to say, um, and I think it's the instant gratification type thing. You know? So where did you get your education other than the encyclopedia? We'll go ahead well, and give a just, little. Uh, well, it was going out and shooting as much as I could, you know, and comparing what I shot to what I was seeing in magazines. And the ones that did not look like the ones in the magazines got tossed or never printed, you know, when I was shooting in black and white. Um, and I did a lot. Man, if I had a penny for every picture I took when I was first starting out, I'd probably right. be a millionaire. Um, because but I so am, now you've gone to some, probably some workshops with EPNet or anything like that? Oh, yes. Most certainly. I, my very first uh, EPNet uh, workshop was in um, 
Warrington, Virginia in 2005 in April, and it is where I got educated on shooting horses with their people. And let me tell you, Betty Cooper, if she listens to this, God bless her, because um, open my eyes to, wow, you know, it's not that difficult. You just need to be educated on how to do it. And um, it was wonderful. There was a lot of photographers there. And I had I was still shooting film then and um, brought my Veronica and uh, took some pictures with that. And they came out great. And uh, but I did a lot of listening. I didn't take as many pictures because I just I was so into learning what was going on and listening to what she was saying that um, even if I hadn't only shot four rolls of film. I was still so happy that I went because I learned so much. And uh, that's, you know, if, uh, for the people that are just starting out and listening to this, if you can go to a, you know, an EPNet seminar somewhere, oh, my God, go. Uh, even if it's not an EPNet person, you know, there's a lot of wonderful photographers out there that do uh, workshops. workshops. Yeah. And, um, man, save your money. Go to one, you know, save for a couple of years and go to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really, um, I can't say enough good things about being able to go to those workshops. They've well, it, se- so- it seems to me that, uh, and, and we're finding this locally here with our professional photographers organization that, uh, hands-on events are so incredibly helpful as opposed to just reading it off the internet or watching a video, um, on the internet the difference between being there and seeing how far away somebody is from the horse, uh, seeing how they get the horse's attention, how they turn the horse's head, um, all these things are, you know, when you're there in person, it's a completely different experience than just watching it or reading about it. It most certainly is. Um, it was really, and I've been to, I went to the one in, um, after that, I went to the one, the fall one in 2006, 2007, 2008, <laughs> 2009. So you've been to quite a few. I have been to quite a few of them. I haven't been able to go the last couple of years because my uh, personal life has been in the turmoil. But Only share what you want to, but you've had a few struggles over the last yeah, year or I two. Have. Yeah, I uh, have. And it started, you know, taking care of my mom. I was laid off. I've always worked full time and was laid off from my job and um, took care of my mom for a couple of years and she passed away in 2014, January of 2014. And I figured, uh, you know, I miss my mom, but you know what, I'll be able to do a lot of the things that I was not able to do. (laughs) And just one thing after another. And I think a lot of it was just not taking care of myself because I was taking care of someone else. Uh And so, um, well, I, I had a, uh, surprise this spring basically is a heart incident yeah so uh, i saw that yeah and i, I think you had some issues similar. yeah i was um well I, after my mom passed away at the end of the month i had a kidney stone and then the next day wound up with sepsis mm, no. a, yeah wow. which was blood infection from having the procedure right so for the whole month of february i was pretty much yeah. I couldn't believe how bad I felt. It was horrible. And for the next three months, I dealt with kidney stone stuff and then was sick again in April. But after that, I noticed that my heart rate wasn't exactly the way it should be. So I went and had a heart thing, you know, a heart check. And I said, everything is fine. And I was like, okay. 
Well, I was at that uh, big uh, show out in um, June out at the Hunt Club, and I was just walking around, had my water. It was hot out, had my water, was drinking water, and got kind of lightheaded, and sure enough, my pulse had dropped. So I was dealing with a low pulse, and of course, you can't get a doctor to say it was from the sepsis um, ever. So I dealt with that for about a year, a year and a, a little over a year and a half, and finally had a pacemaker put in, and I feel like a million bucks. Oh, great. <laughs> well, I, you know, I've lost 25 pounds. Yeah, I'm working and, on that too. Yeah, I've been eating salads every day. So the, yeah. this is just part of, you know, some of the things you have to think about as being oh, a photographer. Sure, sure. When, uh, I work, when, I, when I shoot at this 400-some-odd-acre uh, estate, I have to walk a lot. And, um, you know, I, when I was having this problem with my heart, I was like, oh, God, please let me be able to do this event. You know, I look forward to it all year and not pass out in the middle of nowhere. And people find, oh, it's a photographer flat out on the ground here, you know. <laughs> so um, you have to be in good shape. You have to take care of yourself. Um, nobody wants to see, you know, an ambulance pull up for the photographer. Never mind somebody who fell off their horse. You know, that's embarrassing. So uh, taking care of yourself and uh, is a very very important uh, thing to remember when you're doing when you're out, mm-hmm. you know, being active. Yeah, you know? yeah. So so you do other uh, work other than just horses, or uh, are you doing some seniors and things? Uh, not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, you I just do you- mainly the the hunter jumper is your yeah, your yeah. main thing. Yeah, but you know what? I'm always open for anything. Last uh, last year, last January, last winter was horribly cold. Um, nothing was going on, you know, up in, up in the Northeast, unless you have an indoor, heated indoor ring, you don't really do much. And so uh, I saw that there was a uh, farm not too far from me that did uh, team penning and uh, oh, cutting. That's, and that's all completely different. And I said, you know what? I'm not doing anything. I, you know, I've never seen that. Never mind shot it. I'm going to contact them and see if it's okay if I go over there and take pictures. And they said, yeah, sure, come. So I did. And you know, I watched for about a, a half an hour while I froze. And mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, I'm lucky. I, my D800 is just fantastic in the low light. I can't say enough great things about it. This was an indoor and, arena? Uh, indoor arena. There was some natural light coming in from outside and the lights from the arena itself but it's still you're shooting inside and it's the lighting is usually horrible and uh i got a lot of great stuff for somebody who had never shot any of this stuff before you know i was sitting on this you can't really go in the ring when you're shooting this stuff or you're going to get run over by a cow and so (laughs) the first one i think was um cutting and uh they're amateurs so you know you're not going to get a lot of the action that you would get at a professional cutting show um, but they were very happy to see. I got a couple of orders, but that wasn't the reason why I went. I wanted to see if I could do it. And uh, then they had a um, team penning thing the next month, and I went and shot that. And uh, that was a lot of fun, too. A lot of action, a lot of people running around, and you got to think quick on your feet or you're going to miss it. So, And in situations like that, even I, mean, I was using my 70 to 210, um, you you can't always shoot at the long or seventy to two hundred. Excuse me. Yeah, I was um, going to say I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Just trying to figure um, out what lens that was. <laughs> yeah, it was a trick question. Uh-huh. <laughs> there used to be a Nikon seventy to two ten, but it was pretty 
That was and back I, when Zooms were awful. Yeah, and I wasn't even shooting Nikon back then. But yeah. anyway, uh, you know, you you can't shoot at the long end of that, uh, only just because they're at this arena anyway, because it wasn't that big. So uh, you have to kind of be creative with how you shoot because you're not going to be able to get the the non-distortion um, factor comes into play. So you've got to be careful how you shoot. And uh, uh, I was very, very pleased with the way they came out. Um, you know, uh, Ron McGinnis, he sometimes does rodeos type stuff. And also this, you know, t- penning and things like that. But he likes to get down low and shoot now up from under the fence and uh, get a little distortion, but it creates, what do I say, a lot of energy in the picture. Yes. Yeah. This uh, arena had kind of like boards along the bottom. So it had like two or three pipes and then it was low on the bottom. So I couldn't really get down below. And uh, of course, if I get too low, you're not going to be able to get me back up. So I, you know, <laughs> I got, got down as low as I could. Yeah. Um, and, but then it also limits, depending on where you're shooting, it will limit your mobility to uh, follow the action. You know, if you're, you know, so it, it was, it was, it was great fun because it, it, it um, and anytime you can get out and shoot something that you've never shot before. To go do it. You, yeah. go, you go do it because you're going to learn, you know, you're sure. going to uh, learn just so much, you know. And like I said, I love the action stuff. I always, always loved it. And, um, you know, when I bought my uh, D800, I was a little concerned because, you know, it didn't have the frames per second. And um, some I had heard that the focusing was not great. But, you know, I think from shooting manual everything for so long, it, it's not even. It's not even in my radar that there would be a problem with it, right. and it hasn't. So, so Judy, uh, we try to cut these off at about uh, forty or fifty minutes. So I think we need to close it up. But let me just share with everybody. Uh, you know, Judy had a lot to say about learning and uh, growing and and going to workshops to get better at what you do. We encourage you to think about uh, EPNet uh, online. Um, it's Equine Photographers Network, and you can look it up on Google. But also, we'd love to have you go to iTunes and rate uh, this podcast and put up a review if you felt like it was fun to listen to and interesting for you. As a uh, listener, we appreciate you. And tell your friends. Thank you again, Judy, for coming on with us and having uh, us grill you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for the Equine Photographers Podcast. We hope that you were inspired to grow and improve as an equine photographer by listening today. Join us for the next episode to learn, grow, and be inspired as we interview some of today's outstanding equine image makers.